0: And now, Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. What's up, everybody? DJ Bucky here. Move the Sticks on a rainy day here in Southern California. Buck, I'm, I'm at home. I'm looking outside my window and uh I've I've uh, I've paid for one pool in my backyard. I've got a I got a bonus one right now.
2: It's, uh, a, it's a freebie. Man, it yeah. is it is miserable in Southern Cal. Like up in LA it is awful and you know, like anytime it rains in Southern California, like everything stops. Traffic is oh, bad it's to brutal. four or five. Nobody can drive. It's jammed up, no one can drive and then everything, man, like Kid can't play baseball because the field and all this other stuff. Like, I'm just ready for the rain to end. We have the golf yeah. tournament
1: at Riviera this week too. And how about that? Oh, how the about bad that? Weather's I'm coming thinking. in. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'm planning on going Sunday, but it's probably not going to be good for the guys these next couple days. No, yeah, no, that's that's that
0: brutal. Uh, we do have a lot of ground to cover though. On today's podcast, we're going to talk about some of the uh, the news that has popped since we last got together. Joe Flacco. We're going to talk about that move with the Denver Broncos. Something I know we had talked about previously. Yep. On the show, we mentioned it. a little. Yeah, we were all over that thing. And then uh, we'll get into uh, some thoughts on Antonio Brown. We've got some information that came out yesterday on a high-profile player who's been disinvited from the combine. We'll have some thoughts on that, uh, as well as an unfortunate injury to one of the top players in the draft. So we're going to get that stuff covered. But the main event today, Buck, mm-hmm. uh, we're going to go through your top five list, which is Ooh. hit the press. Mm-hmm. So we're going to rip through every position. We're going to get a chance to go through all of them. And uh, you're going to get a chance to hear Bucky's top five at every <laughs> position. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna when we get to that point, Buck, I'm going to make sure after every position group, I give out your Twitter handle. So, uh, <laughs> it's been, look, it's been – it hasn't it has been
2: crazy. I haven't gotten anything. I, really? You know, I no. I haven't gotten much of anything. Like um, everyone has been pretty cool with the quarterbacks, which I thought maybe that would have a little bit with Calumary, Sackman, no one – chimed in on that. The, the pass rush is was solid. I mean, I think what I try to do is just um, – I took the three-wood out, and I just tried to put it right, right in, the mid, you in the fairway. Just hit it in the fairway. It didn't take the driver out. I wasn't trying to knock it all the way out, but – um, you you slip,
0: This is what you did. You kind of like you just like slipped into the pool. There was no cannonballs <laughs> off the high dive with this list. Yeah, um, nothing nothing crazy. Later. Even
2: though I did see one of your tweets about a corner, I kind of want to find out more about the oh, kid. He's, he's a, a good player, goal. man. Yeah, he's a
0: good player. Big big physical kid. We'll get into your uh, your top five lists uh, in a minute. Going to go through that news as I mentioned, but I do want to start off by congratulating my partner here in Bucky Brooks, who has added some new duties uh, to his already existing <laughs> duties.
2: Yeah, different
0: dude. <laughs> ladies and
2: gentlemen, we have a head coach on the podcast. <laughs> <so that. laughs> Fill the folks in, Buck. They want to know what's going on with you. Um, Like, one, thanks for congratulating me. That that really means a lot. Like, we've talked about it. I've been doing this high school coaching thing for about 10 years. Uh, I spent 10 years at Notre Dame High School in Sherman Oaks. Uh, It's the home of Justin Fargus. It's probably the most distinguished player to come out of there, Uh, played there years ago. But last season I had an opportunity to be the offense coordinator and just kind of whet my appetite to want to do more. So this year I had an opportunity uh, to interview at Granada Hills Charter, which is John Elway's alma mater. In fact, the stadium is named after the Broncos legend. And so we're going to have an opportunity to kind of build it up, see if we can bring it back to prominence in the city. So it's a, it's a big challenge. Uh, I'm excited about the challenge because there are um, some things that we're trying to do to put together to kind of, kind of build a community and really kind of grow the program. But I'm really, really excited to have an opportunity to kind of deal with these young people. Uh, they were excited when we met yesterday and so I can't get to work man I can't I can't wait to get to work and just kind of start having fun like just dealing with a different group of guys and I've got a chance I've mentioned this on here before but
0: I've uh, been fortunate enough to see Bucky and his environment up at these at these Nike camps and he he, dude you are so good with these high school kids Um, so you're not allowed to do it because I'm pretty sure it's illegal so I'm just going to do it for you Bucky didn't ask me to do this but if you if you live anywhere in the vicinity of this high school (laughs) And your kid can play. Send him with Bucky because trust me, you're not going to find anybody that's going to be better in developing uh. developing the talent as well as 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 taking care of your kids. Because Bucky's got a great heart. He's not doing this for the money. Trust me, he's doing this because he uh, loves this is it for the love for sure. And, and wants to be love. around it. Yeah, yeah so it's so. I, I'm yeah, pumped, it man. Fun. It it's going to be great. I can't wait to uh, I can't wait to get my first invitation to come up there to be a guest speaker before one of your
2: games. Oh, for happening. sure. It's happening. For sure we can put you behind the bagpipes. You know, I'm saying oh. we're the Highlanders. They got bagpipes. Yeah, we got some bagpipes. We can change change the tradition a little. It may come out behind the bagpipes a little. A little different. (laughs) A little different. I
0: like that. Uh, But by the way, so there's some. I I tweeted out a congratulations on Twitter. um, And there's some folks that think that this means that you know you're no longer on the pod. You're no longer on NFL Network. Oh man, can you clear that stuff? up? Oh no, 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 no. It's
2: just, it's just, it's just, it's just like. Coaching at the rec center, you know, it's just just another little thing. we just just having a little fun. but There's a little addition, of, but no subtraction. No subtraction. Yeah, just add a, add a little bit. We're going to have a little yeah. fun. But, no, everything with NFL media is great. I'm looking forward to doing more stuff. Um, obviously, I mean, we've been podcasting, doing t- TV, doing everything that we've been able to do. So, now I'm really excited to kind of continue to do all the things while also kind of dibbling and dabbling a little in coaching. All right, there you go. There's an update on uh, what's going on here with Buck.
0: All right, let's start here. Joe Flacco to the Broncos. We predicted this uh, months ago, Buck. We talked about this. And it, to me, it was the opposite theory. You know, you always, coach-wise, quarterback-wise, you go find the opposite of what you just had if it didn't work out. So you had Case Keenum, undersized, can move around a little bit, doesn't have a huge arm. So you go get the six-foot-six six pocket passer, um, which, by the <laughs> way, has kind of been – that's been John Elway. That's what he's he's traditionally wanted. Now this is the third one, right? Because he had I mean, you well, talked about six five, Peyton six right? I mean, he then bought- you got Osweiler six <laughs> seven, and then you Just. had uh, who else am I missing? Uh, Peyton Paxton. Osweiler, Paxton, Lynch. Paxton Lynch. Yes, Boy. Paxton Lynch is another six foot six plus, and now you add Flacco.
2: I mean, it's unbelievable.
0: Like a basketball team.
2: Basketball team. Now, I'll give John Elway credit. He is not afraid. I mean, obviously, his baseball background. He's not afraid to go to the plate and go down swinging. He is swung and missed repeatedly on these quarterbacks. And maybe hey, just hey, boy, maybe.
0: Be, hey, be careful, man, because he could be your – you play at John Elway Stadium I know. now. I know. So you can't go in on Elway. I can't Elway go hard. Now. I can't go hard. But look,
2: <laughs> he is a guy who is certainly not afraid to spin the wheel on the quarterback carousel. Joe Flacco comes over. And I think the big thing, the selling point for the Broncos with Joe Flacco, Vic Fangio obviously knew him from having worked in Baltimore. He was around when Joe Flacco was there, so he kind of knows how he goes about doing business. And I think it kind of boils down to this, and DJ, most executives won't talk about it, but there is something to pedigree and how you come into the league. And Joe Flacco came into the league as a first-round pick. Case Keenum came into the league as an undrafted free agent. And sometimes it is hard to shake that stigma. It is hard to shake the fact that you didn't come in kind of as the anointed one. And when you look at the talent disparity between a Joe Flacco and a Case Keenan, you talk about a big, strapping, strong-arm passer, and then you have a little bit of an underside guy who's more of kind of a dink and dunk playmaker. I just think when guys are doing the evaluation, they still kind of remember that Joe Flacco was a first-round talent and so he is always going to kind of get the nod when you're kind of evaluating first-rounder versus undrafted free agent, particularly at this stage where they are in their careers. Interesting points. I, a couple of things I'd like to bring up. One, we
0: saw Joe Flacco in the Shanahan system with Gary Kubiak have a lot of success. So we've seen him inside this system uh, where it fits him. Obviously, Baltimore thing had gotten away from that. Uh, number two, I think the talent around him in Baltimore in terms of what they had on the perimeter was not very good. At least they've got they've got some young receivers here uh, that we both like. When you look at Cortland Sutton, uh, Deshaun Hamilton, what he can do. Uh, Emmanuel Sanders, we'll see if he sticks mm-hmm. around there. Still is a really good player. So he's got some guys to throw to, not to mention a couple good backs uh, with those rookies we saw with Phillip Lindsay and Royce Freeman. So there's some good pieces in place. Uh, skill positions, he's had success in this offense. The challenge is going to be you have now – Mike Munchak has his work cut out for him because I think with him and Dante Skarniecki, they're the best two offensive line coaches in the NFL, and, and man, he's going to earn his paycheck because they are not good up front, and Flacco's not going to be able to get away from you. So that's going to be the challenge. you got an immobile quarterback and a crappy offensive line. Um, you're going to have to coach your butt off, and they're going to have to be aggressive, not only in free agency but in the draft. They need to bring some more
2: bodies uh,
0: to that offensive line.
2: Yeah, you know, um, but – In saying all of that, like the pieces aren't necessarily perfect. I like what they have on the skill, on the perimeter with the skill players, the pass catchers, and even the runners, Phillip Lindsey, Royce Freeman. I think those guys are solid. But you talk about the offensive line. And the reason the offensive line is such a pivotal piece for Joe Flacco is you're right, he can't escape. He can't get outside. They can't put him on the move. So to me, this is an offense that is going to be downhill running game, complimentary play action where they're going to take shots and throw the ball down the field. The good thing about being a play action team is that play action is actually easier for the offensive line because you got the run action, you're moving off the ball, you can kind of create opportunities off misdirection and deception. And so how they put together these route concepts with the protection, I think Joe Flacco actually could be fine in this offense, but Mike Munchak does have to solidify that offensive line because Joe Flacco has been at his best when he's had a solid offensive line and a running game. If you go all the way back early in Baltimore when he had Ray Rice and they had that big, physical, imposing offensive line, that is when Joe Flacco was at his best as that kind he of – You
0: Vontae Leach there too at that time, right? Yeah,
2: I mean, they were able to really run the ball and kind of grind it out. And then he was the complimentary playmaker. I mean, you can't worry about what he's being paid. He's going to be paid $18, 19000000 million at That's this stage right of his today. career. This stage of his career, he certainly takes care of the ball. He can manage the game. And if that defense plays like they're supposed to play, Joe Flacco has seen this before because what the Broncos want to do, they want to be what the Ravens have always been, defense, run it, complimentary shots in the passing game. I think Joe Flacco certainly can do that. And I do believe he is more talented than Case Keenum. Yeah, I
0: I, I agree with everything. Uh, I think we're on the same page there. Another thing I wanted to hit you on news-wise uh, I mean, I don't know it's big news, but Antonio Brown demands trade. Uh, my my take on it has been, first of all, the Steelers don't ever – they're never going to be pushed into a into a corner. We saw it last year with the stare down with, uh, with Lev Bell. Mm-hmm. It's a principled organization, some might say even stubborn. Um, they're going to do what they feel is best for the organization. If they do trade Antonio Brown, which I still anticipate probably will happen, it's not has nothing to do with him demanding a trade. This was a decision that was made previous to that. Uh, demand, and then the next question comes up is, what can you get for him? Uh, and and my response has been, I know he's a little bit older than Brandon Cooks, um, I believe so. I have to go look up exactly what Antonio Brown's age is. But to me, as a player, if you're just looking at a player, I think he is. I know you got to worry about the money and all that, but as a player, heck like, yeah, he's worth a first-round pick. If Brandon Cooks fetches a first-round pick, um, absolutely, he's worth a first-round pick. Now, you have to be comfortable with where he is in terms of, you know, what you're going to get off the field. He's 30 years old, by the way, uh, what, what you get there. But to me, Buck, the way he plays the game, um, I would think on the field you've got four, three to four, I mean, really, really good years, 100 catch type years ahead of him in the
2: right spot. I think so. My biggest issue with Antonio Brown, I believe he is worth a one and some change. Um You're right about him being 30 years old and he has three or four good years left, the way that he works out and he's diligent. My biggest issue is what are you getting when you bring him into your locker room and how impressionable are your young players? Uh, If you're the San Francisco 49ers, uh, which probably makes the most sense, they need playmakers. They need playmakers in a bad way. They're desperate to have a number one receiver. And with the money that they have invested in Jimmy Garoppolo, at some point, they have to kind of upgrade what they have on the on the supporting cast. Antonio Brown concerns me just from, I guess, the way that he kind of goes about his thing, kind of in and out. And you hear some of the things about he didn't stay uh, in contact with people. Yeah, he didn't stay yeah, in contact with people. Uh, at training camp, he kind of stays at his own place. Like the Steelers made a lot of kind of changes. They, they, they met – his demands in a bunch of different areas that you typically don't do in team sports. And I don't know how many teams are going to be willing to kind of, you know, have a bunch of rules for 52 and then a different set of rules for one player. That's that's kind of tough, and it's tough for a head coach to manage that. So I think you have to be very, very secure in your job. Uh, you have to be very secure and confident in your locker room and how they will be affected by his entry. Uh, So, I think this is a deal that is actually harder to make because the teams really don't know what they're getting. And I think that could be a reason why we may see this kind of drag on a little longer than we anticipate.
0: Yeah, Brandon Cook's 25 years old. So, he was changed when he was traded, obviously, significantly younger. Um, But I still think, let me just read some numbers to you here. Uh, 16 games played, 110 catches. 16 games played, 129 catches. 16 games played, 136 catches. 15 games, well, wow, I missed one. 106 catches. 14 games, 101 catches. 15 games, 104. Uh, that's what he's given you since 2013. Uh, so production-wise, Buck, it's there's not a whole lot of sign of, of drop-off. they had 15 touchdowns last year in 15 games.
2: I mean, it's, it's, look, it's, it's ridiculous. 15 touchdowns is remarkable. You just don't see that kind of production. And to think – Uh, He did it when they really had changed their offense. They went from doing some of the things that they had done previously to new offensive coordinator, quarterback taking more control over what they were doing, and he still was able to get 15. And – A lot of people will point to Juju Smith-Schuster looking like he's ready to be a number one receiver. I just want everyone to understand the reason why Juju is able to get off and have these big games is because the defense is paying a lot of attention to Antonio Brown. And that's not to take anything away from Smith-Schuster, but there's a difference between defending 84 and defending 19. And we saw that last game of the year when 84 wasn't on the field. Juju had a tough time getting off, and so I think the Pittsburgh Steelers also have to weigh that in. This is a small window with their franchise quarterback in Roethlisberger. If they jettison Antonio Brown, who is going to be the guy that not only plays the number one role, but how do they fill out number two, three, and four to give Ben Roethlisberger the weapons that he needs because he's also losing the running back in Le'Veon Bell. And I know he played with James Conner and Jalen Samuels came in, but it's different. You're now talking about – Two of the best players at their respective positions, not, not being to on the roster. Not again. to mention
0: the offensive line coach, who we've just talked about. Is one I mean, that's the best a lot in of NFL.
2: that's a lot of transition, and I'm not a big fan of having a lot of change. Little change, not wholesale changes.
0: Yeah, no, that's I mean, interesting to see what happens there. Also, had Jake Glazer saying that look, it wasn't based off of any um, you know any sources, but he thought it would not be surprised if Odell Beckham ended up get traded. Um, as well during the wow. offseason, so I just I'd given you those numbers for uh, for for Brown. When you look at games missed for Odell, now three of the five years Buck he's missed at least four games, including including 2017 he played four, 2018 he played 12, um, he played 12 games in 2014 is his rookie year. Uh, so to me, you look at Antonio Brown 15, 16 games just about every single year. The durability there and a little bit more consistent i i know odell's is younger he's more dynamic uh, but there's a longer track record there with antonio brown
2: yeah it's a longer track record with antonio brown in terms of being able to be there consistently with odell like you do have those issues and look the injury history is a bit of a concern but when you look at the production he is so productive, and he's such a difference maker. And he's been able to do it with a quarterback who was really on the, the, the downside of his career. And so you just wonder how good, how impactful could he be if they did have a young quarterback who did have the ability to make all of the throws to all areas of the field so Odell could really use all aspects of his game. That is what I'm excited to see, and I think that is what the Giants are waiting to see how does he respond when you really give him a franchise quarterback that still is in his prime and can make the throws that allows Odell to be more than just a catch-and-run specialist? No doubt. Well, I'll be interested to see what happens with those wide receivers. Uh, some other
0: news draft-related. We'll hit these real quick here. Uh, Jalen Ferguson disinvited from the combine due to a fight that took place even prior mm-hmm. um, to his landing at Louisiana Tech. It, it, look, it's uh, Mort mentioned this. A bunch of people have piled on this. Um, don't like it, don't like this this rule they have where the if you have any history of violence that you are not allowed to come to the combine because it doesn't penalize the kid. It penalizes the 32 teams because they wouldn't want to talk to him about these situations um, and have to, uh, now you got to go hunt them down. you got to bring them into your facility for visits or you got to go find them at their
2: pro day. Makes um, it tough. It would have been so easy I, just to I, have
0: them in your regular meeting at the combine.
2: Yeah, I, I understand that they're trying to make it uh, punitive for guys who are involved in these incidents. However, from a team standpoint, it just makes it more complicated because rather than having an opportunity to sit down and visit with the kid right there at the combine for every team to spend 15 uh, or so minutes talking to him about what is going on, what took place in the past, to get some more information so they can go and carry on their own investigations, now you have to fly down to Louisiana Tech, and you have to interview him there, and then you have to kind of like do all the legwork where you really could get a jump start on the process by being able to interview him right there in Indy and then just kind of determine whether he's a guy that is a fit for your organization or not. I understand the why behind the league's decision to bar some of these guys from the combine, but I do believe some of these guys are so talented that they're going to play. You might as well allow teams to get around them and see what they could be taking on when they take these players.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm with you on that one. One of the other players who was not invited to the combine, Jeffrey Simmons, uh, for an incident he had uh, while he was in high school before he got to Mississippi State, um, had uh, some violence, got an altercation with a female, and it was caught on video. The video's out there. Everybody's seen it. Um, everything I've been told by the folks at Mississippi State or by scouts that went through there, Talked to everybody on campus. They said, you talk to anybody. He's, he's been uh, a model student, model citizen there. Hasn't had any issues since then. Obviously a horrible, horrible decision um, that he made in high school. But he was uh, not going to be at the combine because of that situation. Then to make matters worse in training, he tears his ACL. So that's going to uh, complicate matters even further for Jeffrey Simmons.
2: Yeah, it does complicate matters even further. And This is a, I mean, a standout player. Uh, I mean, he is a big-time player. He is everything that you look for as an inside player. He is disruptive. He is physical. He plays with a high motor. He's a tempo changer, all of those things. And so, look, we had the incident there where he was going to have to deal with in terms of the character. And even though everyone at Mississippi State speaks highly of him in terms of the guy that he is and the way that he has been on campus, you're going to have to deal with that in the background. But now you have an ACL injury. And so, what you have to determine is, the risk versus the reward, and where do you value a guy who may not be able to give you a contribution his first year? Where do you take that off the board? Because without the injury, I think he's top 15. That's a lock. Now with the injury, does he fall around? Does he go into 45, like around 45, 46? Does he go even later? I just think he is too talented to let kind of run past your team a few times. I think teams that have multiple picks, particularly in the second round, one of those teams will be able to kind of snatch him up and kind of sock him away because they know what they could be getting down the road. Here's the thing. It's been compared
0: to the Sidney Jones situation. It was a corner coming out of Washington. He tore his Achilles mm. at the UW Pro Day. Now, the difference is the Achilles injury is worse than, a, than an ACL, um, and you're at a corner position where a leg injury is, you know, that is a big, big deal. So that, that dropped him from what most would view as a top 15 pick to the 43rd pick. Uh, I believe is where the uh, the Eagles took him there in the second round. The reason this is different: number one, it's a defensive tackle versus a corner. Number two, it's an ACL versus an Achilles. And I look at this, and you you just, you, you answer this question for me, Buck? Are the Raiders going to be any good next year? No, they're not going to be any good. The Raiders have two picks in the twenties, twenty four and twenty seven. Why would you not use one of those picks? on Jeffrey Simmons, who you can redshirt. You're going not going to be any good next year anyways. This is a long-term build as you get towards uh, Las Vegas. You're trying to get that team ready to go. You could end up having, you know, you've got all these extra picks. To me, and you've you to get those extra picks, you parted ways with two guys with, with pretty high ceilings. Don't you want some of these picks to have the potential to be home runs? Uh, and to me, Jeffrey Simmons at pick number 27 after you've already made two first-round picks, to me that's like you're getting a top-five pick in next year's draft is the way I would look at that.
2: It does, and I think, man, you're so spot on when you talk about the Oakland Raiders. Remember, the Oakland Raiders last year took Mo Hurst. Did they take Mo Hurst in the yep, fifth round? Fifth round. Mo Hurst was a guy that we talked about potentially being a first round player until he had the issue that popped up um, and made some teams kind of worry about his medical condition. But they get him in the fifth round, and he played and he played well for them. If you're mm-hmm. the Oakland Raiders, you certainly have an opportunity to do the risk reward game. Uh, in this situation. Jeffrey Simmons is a top-ten talent. Uh, I mean, he's a dominant player. He's a needle mover. If I'm the Oakland Raiders, maybe I consider it. Look, I know by the time he gets to the combine, by the time they do the pro day, he'll only be a couple months out like post-op. I think it kind of depends on what the doctors say, but I do believe there's a scenario where they could find a way to take him at the bottom of the first round, top of the second round, to make sure that he gives them that impactful play that they need on the front line. No doubt. All right,
0: let's uh, let's get into your top fives here, Buck. This is what we've been waiting for. Here, we're going to go position by position. I'll just name off the position, and you can rip through them uh, one through five, and and feel free at any point in time uh, to if you feel there if you feel there's a need for explanation, uh, fire it in there, and then I'll give you a closing closing thought on your list. And then, uh, and then we'll just keep going through the positions. You ready to go?
2: All right, let's do it. Here we go. All right, quarterbacks, quarterbacks. Bucky Brooks, top five quarterbacks heading into the combine. Go. Okay, here we go. Dwayne Haskins, Kyler Murray, Drew Locke, Daniel Jones, Ryan Finley at five. And when I look at this list, the big thing that stood out to me was Kyler Murray at two over Drew Locke and Daniel Jones. And the reason I went with Kyler Murray over those two guys is if we – didn't know the physical measurements, and we just looked at the tape, without all the battery of information when it comes to the dimensions and those things, if we tried to figure out who was the better player, I think it would be pretty unanimous that Kyler Murray was a more impactful and a better player than Drew Locke and Daniel Jones during his time at Oklahoma. Now you have to make a decision. Are you okay with the height thing? And when you look at the fact that, look, the number of passes that he had batted down wasn't significant, didn't jump off the page. When you look at how he played as a one-year starter in that offense, that same offense that we saw Baker Mayfield play well in, didn't have immediate success in the National Football League. I think there are a lot of things that kind of go in Kyler Murray's favor. And I know people are on the outside world, some people are talking like, oh, he should be a second or third rounder. This kid is a first-round pick in my estimation. It's a matter of do you believe in him and his ability to overcome whatever physical deficiencies he may have to be a star in this league.
0: Couple of thoughts from me here. Number one, um, I had two hangups or two concerns, I should say, with Kyler Murray. I came out with my list in the middle of uh, oh gosh, second week of January. Um, so my two concerns, Buck. One was focus commitment. You know, is he is this going to be juggling two sports? I'm not. I'm not taking that risk if that's if that's what we're going to mm-hmm. have going forward. So he checked that box. He said he's done with baseball. He's committed to football and it's going to give his money back to the A's. So that one concern has been alleviated. Number two was just the bulk. It wasn't even the height. It was just the bulk. I had seen reports and heard from folks that he was 183, 185 pounds. And to me, that was a major, major red flag, just in terms of him physically holding up at the NFL level at that weight. Now, I've been told by a little birdie that he's going to be over 200 pounds. So he's over 200 pounds. That, to me, clears the second hurdle. Uh, So that alleviates those concerns. And then, you know, since – since early January, have gone back and watched even more, and I agree with you. Just off of ability level, he's one of the two best guys, uh, based off the tape, for sure. I'm, I'm with you on that. So if he, if he cleans up those two issues, he's already cleaned up one, looks like he might clean up the other. To me, I think he's going to be the first or second guy. I'm worried about him being over
2: 200 pounds, though, man. He'd be a little refrigerator. Like, you <laughs> <laughs> like got him at 200 pounds. I don't want to to have something on I there, though. He's got to have something on there he does have to have something on there. I just don't want to take away from his speed. And it it would be um well, I don't know entry. what he played at.
0: We got a, I mean, did he play at 197 last year or did he play at 182? I, I don't uh, know. I
2: just assumed that he was playing at, like, 180, 185. I, yeah. I mean, I don't. I don't know. I mean, he's, he's we'll a little—he's a squirt. and he's a little squirt. Yeah. He can get out of—he can get out of dodge. Um, yeah. I,
0: I, the I other think, one is the other one. By the way, real quick, Ryan mm-hmm. Finley at the end. I, I've done more games recently doing all these defensive players, and I just keep seeing NC State for some reason. And all I see Ryan Finley do is throw on time, put the ball where it's supposed to be, <laughs> and, funny, right? and, and move the ball up and down the field. And I'm sitting <laughs> here going. Wait a second. Why don't I have? Why don't we talk more about Ryan Finley? We love meeting with him. He's a great kid. Got good personality. You know, wish he—he's a little bit thin. Maybe wish he was a little bit thicker. Doesn't have a huge arm, but I thought he was steady and consistent the week down the Senior Bowl. And he's—he's uh, he's a good player. You look at for for that guy and outside the first round that's got a chance to start. Um, I like I like you have uh, Ryan Finley there.
2: You know the thing about Ryan Finley that stands out to me. Um, there's some guys that just know how to play the game and they won't wow you, but. They're guys that just kind of understand how to connect the dots, and if surrounded by the right players, they can do it. Now, he was surrounded by great players at NC State. And, in fact, I probably did him a disservice because I didn't include some of those guys in my wide receiver rankings, but we'll get to that. Um, I, I think the big thing is he understands how to get the ball out of his hands. He does a good job of kind of playing on time. And when you're an offensive coordinator and you're kind of playing with the through the eyes of the quarterback, you want guys who are going to do it exactly the way that you want it done, the way you draw it up. I think Ryan Finley does that. And for a good team, I think he has a lot of value. I think somewhere in the second round, is kind of where I can see his name being called.
0: All right, we'll go quicker here now through the rest of the positions here. Running backs, go.
2: Here we go. Josh Jacobs, Devin Singletary, Damian Harris, Dave David Montgomery, and then Bryce Love at five. And I think we've talked about all these guys. I think on the podcast the other day we talked about Josh Jacobs and how uh, after seeing Alvin Kamara, there are a lot of people that will kind of view him in that light. Uh, Low mileage, big production in terms of the way that you can forecast what he'll be able to do at the next level. So you like him. Devin Singletary is a guy that the more I watch him, the more I kind of like his ability to kind of get in and out of traffic. Um, He has some Houdini-like skills in terms of getting out of traffic. I think he's going to be a guy in the right system. He can do big things. And then David Montgomery is kind of the steady Eddie producer. He's a
0: good player, man. Really
2: good player. You worry about the the amount of volume that he's kind of had to take on during his time at Iowa State, but – Man, you just talk about a good, solid football player, a guy that should be a solid starter for a long time. David Montgomery strikes me. And then with Bryce Love, the reason I kind of put Bryce Love, to, you know, in meetings sometimes where we kind of put a guy up there yeah. in the holding tank, Yeah, Bryce Love is in the holding tank for me because I want to see where he is at the combine in terms of I don't expect him to work out, but let's just see where he is medically because I think – He could be the value pick. He could be the guy that goes. And in fact, it reminds me a little bit, not this situation, but the Indianapolis Colts last year took Naheem Hines in the fourth round. And Naheem Hines was kind of the guy that kind of rotated in with Marlon Mack and did some things in the passing game. Bryce Love hasn't caught the ball to that degree at Stanford. But I do believe he's kind of in that change of pace back type. Kind of like Gio Bernard uh, for the Cincinnati Bengals. I think Fifth on this list is a nice spot for him. We'll see if he's able to maintain it after we hear from guys at the combine.
0: Yeah, to me, I have Josh Jacobs as a top guy, and then after that, Singletary is number two for me. But there, then it gets real muddy. And to me, it's going to be interesting to see get get official measurables on these guys at the combine will help uh, sort some of that that list out. But it's uh, it's a good group, good group overall. Running backs. How about receivers?
2: Receivers number one, Marquise Brown, DK Metcalf at two. That was kind of before the big picture came out, but it was too late. <laughs> I'd already found it. Inkio Harry at three, A.J. Brown at four, and then I went with Riley Ridley at number yep. five.
0: Yeah, Riley Ridley, I think, is the best route runner. He's not going to run as fast as his brother. Uh, he's a really, really good route runner. Those Georgia guys, the other one is, is Miko Hardman's going to, you watch when he yes. runs at the combine, he's yes. gonna, his stock's going to go through the roof. Uh, there's just so many miles to feed in that offense. We just talked about the running backs, we, we didn't mention Holyfield. Um, he's another one just there's just not a lot of touches and carries to go around they had so much talent there at georgia Um, but i do think uh, ridley's a really really good runner and then um, you mentioned that picture of dk metcalf that floated around the internet where he looked like a defensive end Uh,
2: too big too big buck uh way too big it reminded me of when david boston just uh, ate somebody and became a 250 (laughs) pound wide receiver Uh, at some point i mean you just don't i mean you have to be able to get in and out of your breaks and Everything that people have told me about D.K. Metcalf and when I watched it, they talk about the explosiveness and those things. But when I see the picture, I just wonder. So I have concerns. I have to see him work out at the combine. I have to see if there's a level of stiffness to his game. Is he going to be able to bend? Is he going to have the flexibility that um, we saw when we were looking at the tape? I just don't know why you would be that massive when it comes time to do things.
0: Let me just tell you uh, what needs to happen there is – he needs to go. You know, if you're if you're if you're the agent there, you get his wallet. You take his wallet, and I don't even know because I, I I know in gym memberships now they use your phone, right? You just scan your scan the thing on your phone. You could take his needs, membership card away. I'm gonna take his gym <laughs> membership, and then I'm gonna slip in there. He's gonna go uh like uh. You uh, No, it's gonna say you're Cynthia's you're Yoga House. Like, what is this? A, <laughs> a three month subscription to Cynthia's Yoga House? I mean, uh, I yes, yes, we're. Get here here's the give me hey hey give me the barbell take the yoga okay this <laughs> is a, this is a
2: trade this i is mean there's there right different everything i don't want to do a shameless plug where he should be a orange theory or somewhere like that or oh yeah, there go you to, go he can, some cardio he can go soul get on cycle the bike. he can you know get on bike. the bike he can do something I'm worried about his cardio. We need to we need to slim him down. So I want to slim him down just a little bit. I, I, whoa, 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 whoa! Hey, hey! Protein shake, give that back. Yeah, give, give that, <laughs> give that back. back. We don't need you. Some water. All of the That's other it. stuff. Like, yes, yeah. my gosh. I mean, yeah, he's, he's a really no good, good player. I just worry he's about the guy. I worry about the defensive coach seeing him. He'd be like, hey, who's the defensive end? I didn't yeah. see him on. I didn't see him on the draft board. Let's bring uh, this guy in and put his put his hand in the dirt.
0: Uh, I'm telling you, seeing that, him with that picture was, I told you this story before, but when I was in college at Northeast Louisiana, and we played uh, Central Florida. It came out for warm-ups, and there was a dude out there uh, with just his pants on, no shirt. Mm. Big jacked up dude and was out there, you know, playing catch. And I go, hey, is that like 45? Is that the defensive end? He goes, that's the quarterback. I go, that's the quarterback? He goes, yes,
2: Dante Culpepper. oh, gee, that dude's huge. Yes. 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 It doesn't uh, age well either. When you're big, you come in a league that big, you only get bigger. You don't get smaller. So I kind of worry about him um, maximizing the length of his career because he's so big going into it. Yeah, uh, interesting. All right, let's uh, get to tight ends. Here we go. T.J. Hawkinson, number one, Irv Smith, to Noah Fant, Isaac Nada, and then Jace Sternberger at five for the tight ends. And right out the gate, man, it was so fun to watch the Iowa offense. I mean, to think that you have two first-round talents at tight end, that is unbelievable to watch. And and Hawkinson, he's the classic why. He is the guy that can be your inline blocker. He can make plays in the passing game, catch it, has enough speed to get down the seam. And then Noah Fant is kind of like your got jumbo juice. wide receiver. He has the juice. He can make big plays down the field. In that passing game, he's dynamic. Now, he has to be a better blocker. Uh, he doesn't give you exactly what you he's want. Waste okay. On he's okay. He's just like a shield and yeah, ball off. But nice if you guy. want a real guy that's yeah. going to dig him out, you can take TJ. But both of those guys are terrific. And look – any other year, Irv Smith would be a guy that we would be raving about. It's just that this is a deep and talented tight end class, and there's a lot of excitement about what these guys can bring.
0: Yeah, another guy to keep an eye on at the combine is Holly Waring from San Diego State. He's gonna he is big and athletic. He's somebody I think is going to be in that second round range. Uh, and another one that's going to test really well is Dawson Knox from Ole Miss. Didn't get a lot of production. Uh, he's pretty good in the run game, but he's going to run fast, and he's going to be you know six four, two hundred fifty something pounds, and he's going to roll. So yeah, uh, it's, it's a it's a really good group. I like the group of tight ends. It's a
2: really good group, and I and I'm going to say this because I have Isaac Nada ranked number four. Some of this is a personal bias. He was on uh, one of my groups. He won. At, he won.
0: He won you a championship, didn't
2: he? Uh, he didn't win me a championship, but he was on a team. And what I will say is. He wasn't fully utilized at Georgia. And you see it in Spurs. You can see his route running ability There's and playmaking ability. To feed. There's a, a lot of miles of feet. So I think when he is worked out by tight end coaches when they come, I think he's going to be the guy that is kind of the wild card in terms of where he goes because he's a guy that can do everything. He can block. He can catch. He can run routes and do all those things. I will keep an eye on Notta. All right, tackles. Okay, here we go. Tackles number one: Jawan Taylor, Jonah Williams, Andre Dillard. Cody Ford, and Greg Little. And the guy that I want to focus on, um, Jawan Taylor to me was really, good really player. good. He's a really yeah. good player. Now, it's a, it's a mind trick as a scout because typically we always think the best tackle should be a left, left tackle. <laughs> so then when you're looking at Florida tape, you're like, well, why is Taylor on the right side and uh, Ivy on Ivy, the left? Yeah. And then when you look at Ivy move around, you're like, oh, that's not even close. Like – but in Taylor, I like his patience. I like his ability to move people off the ball in the run game. I just feel like this is a guy that looks like a starting tackle. Now, I don't know in his background, can we put him at left tackle and the like, but his footwork, his balance, his body control, and his explosive power leads me to believe that he can be a guy that is a solid starter for a long time in this league.
0: Yeah, to me, it's it's really kind of a flavor thing with these tackles. And it depends on where you – I had Jonah Williams. I mm-hmm. put him inside at guard. I think he's got a chance to be an all-pro guard. It's not a yes. slight to him uh, in any way. Uh, but to me, it's what do you want. I mean, Dillard, to me, is the pure pass-protecting left tackle. Uh, Taylor has yes. got more snap and power in the run game. If you're a physical team, you want you know, drive guys off the ball, he's your guy. Cody Ford, some people view him as a guard. or He's kind of a guard tackle wherever you uh, feel comfortable there. He's got the ability, I think, to kind of do all those things. Um, but just isn't as consistent. So it's just kind of what what flavor do you want? I have all four of those guys graded very similarly, almost identical grades. It's just for certain teams, you know, you, you might need one of these versus one of those, and that's how that's how that's all going to get
2: sorted out. Yeah, you know, the, the the thing about this and what you like, you're right. This is like popping up in Baskin-Robbins and trying to determine what flavor do I want on my offensive line. And we talked about Taylor being a guy that is more of a people mover, more of a rugged uh guy at the point of attack, and Andre Dillard is your classic pass protector. So if you're an offense maybe like the Houston Texans where you're looking for a solid pass protector to make sure that Deshaun Watson doesn't get hit, Andre Dillard is your guy because we saw him at the senior bowl. He was terrific. He had the balance and the pitter-patter and all those things that you look for. Uh, You would like to see him a little more physical in the run game, but he wasn't asked to really run block at Washington State. And so I think with all of these guys, you have to make a decision. How do I envision my team playing? And then just make sure you pick the right guy for the style of play that you want to have on offense.
0: Two guys are going to rise
2: through the process, Buck. Dalton
0: Reisner from Kansas State, who had a great week down there in Mobile at the Senior Bowl. I thought would have to move inside the guard. Uh, watching him there up close at the Senior Bowl, he's going to stay at tackle. I think he's going to be in that second-round mm-hmm. range. And then Caleb McGarry from Washington. just I mean, the guy's six. He's almost 6'7". He's 6067 321 pounds. And uh, he's quick-footed and he's nasty. Now, he's not perfect. He's not clean. But it wouldn't shock me with those dimensions and that temperament. Somebody's going to view him as a day one starting right tackle. And we've seen guys like that go in the 20s, if not the 20s, then early in the second round, he's going to go.
2: Yeah. I mean, I was very impressed with the guys that showed up at the senior bowl and Rosner. The thing about Rosner, I, I just loved how physical he was in those drills. When we watched him in drills, we watched him in the team period. He had a little nastiness that I think is very, very important to have on your offensive line and I, I was very impressed with all of the group. And so and then McGarry that you talked about from Washington, 6'7", long arms, the length that you need to be able to deal with some of these pass rushers is really all about getting with the right offensive line coach and kind of refining the technique and how they play. But there are a lot of guys that I think we'll see, a lot of offensive tackles that we'll see go in the first two rounds. It's an important position, and this year I think they're producing a lot of solid players that can come in and be starters right away.
0: Uh, Chuma Adoga from USC another one had a good week down there, uh, in mobile. All right, interior offensive lineman lumped them all together here. Centers and guards. We got
2: here. go. Gary Bradbury at one Elton Jenkins, Connor McGurvin, Chris Lindstrom, and Mike Jordan. That was my top five. And Bradbury to me is the bell of the ball. He is the class of the group watching him, uh, not only the IQ that you have to have at center, but just how smooth he was getting to the next level. I just felt like he was the ringleader. He does all of the stuff that you expect your pivot to be able to do. And so I loved him. I think he is by far the number one, and I would expect him to see him come off the board in the first round. And then the rest of the guys – I think it's still kind of like what do you like and what do you want in the position.
0: Yeah. Are you looking for a power interior player or are you looking for a guy that can move? Are you a zone team or are you a gap scheme? That that changes it.
2: It, it, it does change. And so you can reshuffle those guys. But the one thing that we're seeing now with these interior blockers, they matter more. It used to be kind of a throwaway position. You put anybody in there. I think it's changing because you saw what Quentin Nelson was able to do and the impact that he had on the Colts. Uh, also, was it Braden Smith? from yep. Auburn, going yeah, to come attack. in. like yeah. y- You're seeing how offensive linemen can impact what you're able to do right away. I think you'll see more and more teams take a closer look at these big bodies because there's a lot of value in the, in this 2019 class.
0: Yeah, another guy I would throw in the mix just to add on there, Drew Samia from Oklahoma, who I thought had a really good week uh, mm, yes. in Mobile. 6'5", 304 pounds. I think he's kind of in that conversation um, a really good player there, and then Eric McCoy uh, from Texas A&M, who I think has some uh, some center guard. Yes, there's another. One, is another. Yes, one. very solid, very solid player. All right, I, they always say, Buck, you want to keep people wanting more, so I'm gonna I'm gonna call an audible here, unless you uh, you're in disagreement. But I think we we did a nice thorough rundown there on the offense. I That's say right. come, we back, come, the back, come back, come back, come back, come back to the defense, so it doesn't Let's, get too long. Let's save the defense for the next episode, then we can go a little bit more in depth. I don't want to rush through it. Um, you uh, you put a great list together here, and I, th- I want to spend some time on it. Cool, so let's, let's do that. that. Let's save that for the next time. That works All right, anything me? else
2: you want to get to here before we get out of here? <laughs> no, nah, that's it. Man, we went, we went through a lot. We covered a lot of ground here. I'm looking at my notes as, as we're talking. We, we, we did a lot right here, DJ. I know,
0: man. It's that time of year, bud. I'm, uh, I've been cranking through. I've got my calendar. You should see it. It's like a, I'm like a fourth grader. I've got my calendar printout with the number of guys I need to watch and what positions I need to get done by which days. So oh, check marks! These little check marks I got to hit, and I just kind of every day is kind of cross them off, cross them off, cross them off. So as I always say, um, and we talk about it on here all the time, this time of year it's a, it's a marathon, not a sprint to the draft. Right now, let's get these guys in the right neighborhood. We got time to get them in the right house. We have plenty
2: of time. And that is the thing. It is a process. Um, We want to make sure we get enough of the right names on the board. And then as we kind of continue to go further down the process, then it's about stacking the board and getting it in the right order. But right now, I like to start, man. The one thing that the top five listed, it made me get to work. It made Mm -hmm. me look at all these guys. And then it was so hard finding the others. Now I'm looking at the guys that didn't make the top five, but beginning to kind of put those guys in order. Because the combine will create a little shakeup. We'll see some moving. No,
0: no question. Well, look, we're going to see some some measurables on these guys. You don't you don't evaluate off measurables, but it's a difference. You know, when the when a running back's listed at two hundred sixteen pounds and he shows up at, at two hundred one pounds or two hundred forty pounds, that's different. So uh, it all factors into the conversation. We'll have plenty of time to jump into that. Uh, as we march towards the draft. Kent, do you need to add anything before we get out of here, or are we good, bud?
1: I would just say coolest nickname out of all these guys, Motor Singletary. I love that That nickname. That is good. I think that's a good one. On defense, it's going to be hard to beat Greedy in terms of Greedy Williams, but Motor Singletary in terms of those five running backs, definitely the coolest nickname of the offensive guys that we went through. So... We'll and see I if got, there's uh, other guys to challenge as we get on with this I process. I had Devin
0: Singletary's uh, folks reach out to us. Uh, his his representation reached out and uh, wants to come on the pod. So we're gonna get uh, we're gonna get that FAU running back on the Movie Six podcast here pretty soon. Uh, looking forward to visiting with him. He's a fun player. Fun player to watch. All right, let's get out of here. That's gonna do it for us. Uh, again, Buck. Congratulations on the new gig. He is he is the high school coach for all of America. Not just. <laughs> hills. Um, very pumped up and. Uh, Appreciate you guys listening and leaving us uh, some ratings there. I did see on some of the reviews on Apple Podcasts the other day that there were some audio issues about a month ago, uh, but haven't seen any since then. So hopefully we got that all corrected and, uh, and we're good to go there. Let us know. By the way, if there's any kind of uh, hiccups or hangups, that's a good place to let us know because we want to make sure you guys are getting enjoyable listening here on Move the Sticks. All right, that's going to do it for us. We'll catch you next time right here.
1: Thanks for downloading Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. For more, go to NFL.com podcasts.
0: You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses.